Welcome back, all you beautiful Eagles fans. This is the Philly Special Podcast. I'm Colin Rudisill here, always with Kelson Hazelwood. We're talking all things Philadelphia Eagles football. And we are just coming off a nice win over the New York Jets. Probably an expected one. Uh, but you know what? A win is a win. And when you beat the crap out of the Jets, it always feels good. Uh, all-time record, we are 9-0 and against the Jets going into this one. Make it 10-0 and now. Really impressive stuff all the way around. We've got a lot to get into there. We're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys a little bit, our future schedule, all that good stuff. Uh, but I guess just overall, Kelson, how'd you feel about the start? Uh, like you said, Colin, um, not a game that anyone thought we were going to lose necessarily. I think it went just about as how we'd probably expect it to go. Uh, 31 to 6. You'll love to see it. 10 sacks by the defense. It's good to see them finally get some pressure on the quarterback, even if it is Luke Folk. Uh, the offense, I wanted to see a little bit more from. Uh, I feel like we started off strong and then kind of lost that momentum later on. But we'll get into that. Yeah, and as you said, 10 sacks. Uh, ties second most in franchise history. Haven't had 10 sacks since 2007. Uh, September 23rd, 2007 against the Lions, to be exact. The only time we've ever had more than that. We had 11 against the Cowboys in 1991. And, uh, I mean, the biggest contributor to that has to be, in my opinion, uh, maybe the MVP of the game. Orlando Skandrick in his first game with the Philadelphia Eagles, having those two strip sack fumbles and returning uh, the one for a touchdown. Just, I mean, fantastic stuff from this guy. Yeah, um, I agree. And also Brandon Graham. Uh, I think he's been huge all season and coming up with three sacks here in this game. It's You love to see it. Um, one person's name who doesn't appear on the sack list is Fletcher Cox. Uh, he put a lot of pressure in there, but still not seeing him finish those plays he doesn't have any yet does he no yeah that's pretty disappointing yeah i mean hopefully he's gonna figure it out at some point i, I don't know what else he can do but 10 sacks overall i mean you can't be too upset i don't think with anything the defense did in my opinion and uh it's really setting the tone with uh how, how far was that pick six for nate gary 51 yards uh Fantastic. I mean, just fantastic all the way around on defense. I don't even want to talk about them too much because they did so well. I think we've been yeah. hating on them enough for four <laughs> straight weeks. But uh, back to that back to that pick six by uh, Nate Gary. Um, that was also caused by pressure. And Jim Schwartz was just bringing pressure all day long. Uh, I think that was his whole game plan going into this one. Uh, basically bring all the pressure, protect some of those young cornerbacks from having to make all the plays out there. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, you got... Falcon at quarterback. This guy, you know, he I don't know. Do you know where he went to college? Do you know what team he played for before this? Nobody does. He's Falk. And, you know, it, it's good to put some pressure on a guy that's not used to being out there. And especially when you already know that their biggest weapon is their running back, right? Le'Veon Bell. We were talking about that last week. So when you are expecting a run every single time, it's easier to send pressure. And when they end up passing, you just get in there and you end up tackling him anyway. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, only 15 carries and 43 yards for that. Uh, go ahead, Kelsey. Yeah, holding Le'Veon Bell to, to that is great. And also, like, a lot of the passes went his way, I felt like, too. Like, he is just, he is it for their offense in this game. And shutting him down is all we really had to do on that side of the ball. Yeah, by far the most targets. He had seven uh, seven catches, 45 yards. Might have, might have even had more targets than that. Uh, they did a great job overall. I'm really happy. This is the first week. We had a we didn't allow a hundred plus yard receiver, only allowed hundred and twenty yards receiving overall. So, you know, with a short staffed cornerback core, this is this is good stuff, even though it's against the Jets. I think that's gonna be a reoccurring thing. This is probably one of the worst teams in football, maybe the worst team in football. 
but this is how you expect to beat the worst team in football. So at least we're on par with what we should be doing. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, the one thing I definitely feel wasn't quite on par was the offense, as I mentioned uh, when we got started here. Uh, two touchdowns in the first half and then none in the second. Um, it's just a little disappointing, uh, especially with the field position we kind of had. I, I thought we could put a few more points on the board on that side of the ball. I thought so, too. Yeah, I mean, this this easily could have been a rout. I mean, we could have won this game probably in the 50s to six, and we really wouldn't even get up, wouldn't have given up six points if it wasn't for a stupid fumble by Corey Clement, but I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more. But yeah, I, I think um, Carson Wentz took way too many hits in that first half as a whole. They just, the offensive line was letting them in, plain and simple, and we saw some nasty hits from Carson Wentz. He was under pressure, and I think he did a great job. You know, his his stats didn't really show at 189 yards and only one touchdown, but the guy did what he needed to do, and he had a couple of great plays. That one play where he threw that guy over his shoulder and just threw a strike over to Zach Ertz, that was really impressive. And just what we've come to expect from Carson Wentz at this point. Yeah, you love to see the uh, the Houdini plays from him, but the hits, uh, yeah, not so much. Uh, the one where you saw his leg bend in that nasty way, that's always scary. Uh, I think that is also the leg that uh, he tore his ACL on, so... You want to see him be a little bit more careful with that, and you want to see the offensive line protect him a little better. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other, in my opinion, the best play Carson once had was that play inside the uh, five-yard line where Jason Kelsey snapped it over his head. And, I mean, you see him turning around, making sure there's nobody close to him so he doesn't have to jump on the ball. And what does he do? He just picks it up and he throws it. Instead of losing 15 yards, you know, we're right back to where it was, and it's second and goal. That's a great play. That's a veteran play. And, um I'm just impressed with them, and I'm hoping we can keep this momentum rolling forward. We got a tough schedule coming up in front of us. Um, you know, a tough road stand. Uh, we've got the Minnesota Vikings next week, then the Cowboys after that, and the Bills after that. You know, the Bills are playing pretty inspiring football. The Cowboys, I mean, I don't even know what to think about them. They're winning the games they should win, and they've lost to two teams that are better than them, I guess. I. It's going to be a tough game. You know, we lost twice to Dallas last year. Do you think we could beat them in Dallas? So Dallas is always is always a matchup that I don't know. It's it's a trap game for us simply because they're just our biggest division rival. I will say this about the Cowboys though they I think they're the most overhyped team in football right now. Um, if you look at what they did in their first three games, they beat the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins, so they were three and zero. But those teams currently have a combined record of two and thirteen. Whereas in these last two against the Saints and the Packers, which they've lost, uh, those teams have a combined record of eight and two. Um, I don't know. I think that really speaks to uh, who they've played so far and what they still have left to do. Uh, I really, I think that if the defense can really put pressure on Dak, I don't, I don't see us having a problem in the in that game against them coming up. Yeah, I'm really happy how quiet Arlington, Texas, has been the last two weeks. We heard all the all the rah rah in the first three weeks of the season, and yeah, it's it's been nice. And uh, Eagles, even though we have the same record as the Cowboys, we sit atop the NFC East right now. Um, he, obviously, the Cowboys get to play the Jets next week, so I'm sure they'll enjoy another route, and we'll start to hear Arlington, Texas, get all stirred up again. But oh, sure. But um, one last little tidbit here about uh, Dak Prescott. Uh, since 2017, uh, Dak is five and nine against winning teams. 
Uh, he has thrown 23 touchdowns uh, and eight, had 18 turnovers in those games and has taken 40 sacks. Uh, also in the game against Green Bay uh, this week, he threw for zero yards on third down. So That is pathetic. Yeah, uh, I think, I don't know, I think he's got a lot more to prove if people really want to keep the argument going that he's better than, than Wentz. Yeah, I mean, they route these teams that are, I mean, probably all three of those teams you just named there, the uh, Dolphins, Redskins, and Giants, they might all have top five picks in this next draft. They're that bad. What did you say they were two and two and what combined? Two and 13. Two and 13 combined. And yeah, they, they put on a show, but you expect that against the worst teams. But here's the good news for Philadelphia. We get to play those teams too. You know, like we've already gotten to play Washington, but we still have the Dolphins on the schedule and New York twice. So, you know, we're going to have that same luxury. The problem for me is, I'm just looking at the schedule here, that gap before that. You know, we're talking at Minnesota next week, at Dallas, at Buffalo, as I said. Then we got to face the Bears uh, back in Philly, then our bye week, then the Patriots in Philly, Seahawks in Philly, before we get to that uh, little stretch where you're going to play the Dolphins, the Giants, and the Redskins. You know, realistically speaking, those are six games we could lose. I don't think we're going to lose all six we could lose all six of those games the way this is the way I see it. I've been thinking about this the last couple of days, Kelson. So bear with me. All right, go for we're it. Sitting, we're sitting at three and two, right? Sure. The last, the last five games of the season, we played the dolphins, excuse me, last six games, the dolphins, the giants, the Redskins, the Cowboys at home and the giants again. So we should go five and out right there. Sure. Potentially. So that puts us at, Eight and three. I know this is all out of order, but you go back now to these six games. Usually, if you win 10 games, you make the playoffs. So we really realistically just need to win two of our next six games, and I think we can make the playoffs. I don't think yeah. that's a stretch. I, I definitely don't. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not really too scared of Minnesota this week. Um, and I we definitely are going to win. Uh, at least one of these games against Dallas this year. There's no way we don't. Yeah, I hope so, too. I think we could beat Minnesota and Minnesota. I think we can beat Buffalo and Buffalo. Buffalo? And I I don't know about Buffalo. I'm a little worried about that really? game. Really? You're more concerned about Buffalo than Minnesota? Yes, I am. And why is that, sir? Uh, I, think, I think Buffalo is by far a superior football team. They've been playing <laughs> really good football this year. They have been. It's, it's kind of surprising, honestly, given, I mean, what they have. Yeah. Can, yeah. I wouldn't have expected this. You asked me to predict the Buffalo Bills this season uh, before it happened. I, I would have been off by a lot already. I don't know. I, I think that's going to run out eventually, but I could be wrong. And I hope I'm right. By the t- Hopefully it runs out by the time we get to play them. Yeah, that'd be nice. But uh, hopefully we win one of these games at home, too, you know, against either the Bears, the Patriots, or the Seahawks. Hopefully we can get one of those um, so we don't go 0 3 at home in that stretch. That would be. That'd be pretty sad for anybody yeah. going to those games. But, uh, yeah, I am I think we're in a good spot right now. Um, it That was a really inspiring win. You know, it should have been a win, obviously. But we uh, I, hopefully it's a game for the defense where they can carry that momentum on to the Vikings and then on to the Cowboys. And we can just get on a roll and keep this defense afloat as we slowly start to get pieces back at the cornerback position. You know, Jalen Mills, uh, from what I understand, is closer to coming back than later. You know, hopefully within the next three or four weeks, we're going to have that guy back at cornerback, and that'd be huge. Even um, even next week, we should be getting Sidney Jones back, which just at least someone back out there. 
that we're used to seeing. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully Orlando Skandrick is just feeling like a big man on campus right now, and he's just going to keep rolling on over, and he can be a big part of this team, I think. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to worry less about the defense and a little bit more about the offense overall, which is kind of strange to me. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, we don't have Deshaun Jackson out there to help stretch out the field or what, but yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I still, it looks to me still like Alshon is just not 100% uh, yet. I'm not, I mean, I have no, no facts to base this off of, but he just, he's not playing fast right now. And I know he's not getting the looks that he normally, normally gets. Yeah. It seems like he's just been having average production. You know, it seems like he's floating around 50 yards the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it'd be nice to see him get a little bit more action. Um, uh, one guy that finally got in the end zone though, Zach Ertz. Yeah. That's, that was, that's that was been a long time see. coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only touchdown thrown and uh, set up by Orlando Skandrick, or excuse me, Rodney McLeod's interception. Uh, Just another key part of the defense there. And another part we haven't really talked about is special teams, man. I I think the kickers and punters for this team have done a really phenomenal job, and we haven't really been given them much credit. Uh, Jake Elliott's currently sitting at five field goals attempted with five field goals made, and he's made all of his extra points so far this year. You know, he kind of struggled with that last year. And uh, other than that, Cameron Johnston... You know, if you're following us on Twitter, man, I was giving that guy all sorts of props throughout the game. Every single time that man came out and kicked, he was pinning him back inside the 10-yard line. And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the Jets or the Saints. If you do that to a team, it makes it harder for them to score. So, you know, props. Props to both of those guys. Yeah, I think they've been both doing an outstanding job. Um, the piece of special teams I, I still think needs some work is the returning. Uh, Corey, Corey Clement needs to you know, figured out a little bit, but I think you will. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, and it, I mean, it gets a little bit more clouded, too, with, you know, we saw Darren Sproles obviously walk off the, to the sideline and go into the locker room. Uh, mm-hmm. um, looking at NBCSports.com here, they had the interview with um, Doug Peterson, and they're talking about the injury, and it's they say it's a, what, quad, yeah, quad strain, and Peterson is currently calling him, quote, week to week. So that pretty much means he's probably not going to play against Minnesota. So we nah, do have to decide. I would, I would not count on that. Yeah, me either. And we, but we got to decide who's going to be out there. And, you know, Corey Clement, that was a really bad play. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what the guy was thinking, but that was a really bad play. And, and it's the only playing time he's getting. So do you trust him to be out there against the Vikings next Sunday? I think I do. Um, Corey Clement is, he was a big part of that Super Bowl season. Uh, really good at a lot of production and then he just kind of dropped off these these past few past few years uh i don't really know like what's happened there but i think a lot of his issues right now are just mental i think he just needs to get his head on right and i think he'll be fine yeah doug's uh doug's chalking it up to lack of reps apparently he hasn't been um working working in other areas of the special team is what he says um he says they're gonna really focus on it this week whether they're going to do it off Cameron Johnson's foot or the jugs machine. Um, he says he's confident in Clement. So I'm guessing he's probably going to be the one that's getting the bulk of the looks at punt return. And it's probably good, I guess. I mean, hopefully, hopefully he's going to be out there a lot because we're going to force a lot of punts. Right. But <laughs> hopefully he just has to fair catch or something. I don't know. Yeah. And um, I think you mentioned this earlier, but we can't, we can't really afford to put like Nelson Aguilar or someone back there and have them take a, a hit to make them go off the field because we're we're a little thin at receiver right now. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I- I've seen this guy catch punts before. You know, like I know he's capable of doing it, but to me, he's on a he's on a thin leash, a short leash, I guess is the actual saying. He's on thin ice with a short leash. Um, <laughs> yeah, if he goes out there and he fumbles a punt, even if we get it back, take him out. Put somebody in there that can at least catch the ball. I don't care if he only gets a yard on a return. Just give me somebody that can catch the ball. It's not. It shouldn't be that tough. I think he's capable of catching the ball, and I think he's going to be fine uh, going forward. Um, someone else who I'm I'm really glad to see is uh, emerging and getting the mo- most carries at the running back position is Jordan Howard. Uh, he had another just really solid uh, week for us, and it's good to see that they're finally learning to to use him more. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be the guy going forward. I think Doug's already kind of indicated that's that's going to be the case. He's getting the bulk of the carries, and when you're averaging over four yards a carry, you should be. And yeah, I'm kind of surprised, you know, when I, the season first started in my mind, I had Jordan Howard more set up as a guy that we're going to use on short yardage situations, which they still do, but he's much more than that. He's very elusive. And I'm kind of surprised. I didn't see much of that in his last couple years in Chicago, but I mean, he's got some what cut ability and he's able to make guys miss. And, uh, that was something I thought he didn't really have in his arsenal, but he's proven me wrong, and hey, I'm here for it, definitely. Uh, it seems like Miles is kind of moving more towards a receiving back, and I think for a rookie, that's exactly where he should be. You know, Jordan Howard is thriving right now. Let's milk out whatever he's got left in his career. Let Miles Sanders uh, stay under his wing and just, you know, be a role player for now. Yeah, I, I really like the way that they're utilizing these two backs right now. Uh, Jordan Howard, 13 carries for 62 yards and the touchdown. Miles Sanders, 9 carries for 15 yards. Uh, you want to see more from Miles, obviously, but uh, his receiving, his job he did receiving on Sunday was was pretty solid. Yeah, it gets like kind of disguised because I was I was with you. I pulled up the stats and I'm like, oh my gosh, nine nine carries, 15 yards, and that's it. But it, it looked better than that, right? Like when you were watching yeah, it, the game. Yeah, it, it really, it really one did. Big run. He had one big run come back from holding, uh, but I think the guy's getting the job done receiving-wise. He had that wheel route, uh, which just popped up on my on my highlight reel right here, uh, that was just a beautiful route by him and an even better ball by Carson Wentz. But those are the kind of things you get with Miles Sanders, and I see on other plays, he's open. You know, He's a good check-down option almost every single time he's on the field, so there's still a lot of value for Miles Sanders, even if he's not going to be even a split back in this offense, if he turns up more being a backup or a guy that comes out for passing situations, I think he's still a threat on offense. Yeah, and with uh, Darren Sproles uh, getting her, I think having that big passing passing back option in Miles Sanders is definitely good. Yeah, I'd like to see him out there more than Darren Sproles anyway, I think, in I my agree. opinion, personally. Yeah, Darren Sproles had three carries, four yards. That's three carries too many. I don't think this guy really needs to be out here on the field and I love the guy. I think I say this every week. I love the guy, but you know, it's time to move on. And I like Darren on punt returns. You know, I like him out there for special teams areas, but he should be on the field. Very minimal. In my opinion, let's let, let's let Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders uh, do their thing and see where it takes us. Yeah. I, I think I definitely agree with that sentiment. Um, yeah. Darren Sproles is an absolute, an absolute legend, but going forward, I think it's, I think it's time for him to take more of a backseat. We talked about Miles Sanders receiving, obviously. Um, Nelson Aguilar, only one catch, 20 yards this game. He was kind of a non-factor overall. Same with Dallas Goddard, only one catch, 11 yards. I uh, believe he was the one that like did that little cartwheel when he got tackled, right? He tried to yep. jump and he got clipped under the leg. So at least he made it fun. 
why he was out there. <laughs> uh, Nelson Aguilar had the the ball sail over his head. That would have been a, a for sure deep touchdown. That would have been pretty cool to see. But yeah, other than that, pretty quiet day for him. Yeah, man, that was that was a close play. I forgot about that until you just said it. Um, they challenged it, right, for pass interference? Yeah. And we lost, obviously, because, I mean, who's winning those things, really? I guess we won one, but it wasn't pass interference. Anyways, I think you could have gotten defensive holding at best, but nah, I, I, there wasn't enough there to change it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but, yeah, obviously, this I think this receiving core is still missing something. Where we've been talking about the struggles on offense in this game. Not scoring in the second half against the Jets is pretty unacceptable, especially as easy as it was moving the ball or as easy as it should have been moving the ball. Uh, hopefully that's going to help when Deshaun Jackson comes back. I know that's what every Eagles fan's saying. That's what everybody's saying. Uh, but, you know, when you can expand the field with him, when you have to worry about the deep ball and you have safeties out on him and cornerbacks out on him, and, you know, if he's playing well, you got to double-team him then. There's too many weapons. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Then you got Miles Sanders. You got Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson. A- there are too many weapons out there to make this offense unsuccessful, if that makes sense. Like, if if Jackson's getting covered down deep, good. Somebody's going to post open in the middle of the field, whether it's a tight end, whether it's Alshon Jeffrey. It's going to be opening up. So I'm hoping it's not going to be next week. That's one thing I don't think we've talked about yet. Doug pretty much is saying he's he's a no-go against the uh, against the Vikings, and I think that's good. Um, what, what do you think? Do you think if he's available at all, should he get some snaps? or I... I... I'm always on the side of let's let's play it safe, especially with these these key players like this. I, I if he's at all questionable, which I, it sounds like he will be, I, I don't think he should play against Minnesota. I would really, really like to have him back for that game against the Cowboys. Yeah, it seems like it's too early in the season to try to push people through that. You know, if we're talking about week 13 or something, and we're trying to make a push to get into the playoffs, yeah, absolutely, send him out there. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, win or lose this game. It, it doesn't kill our season necessarily at this point. So I'm with you. I, I don't want to risk a re-injury and make it worse than it is. But yeah, against Dallas would be fantastic because that game's always a big game, no matter where it is in the season. You know, we know they're going to be our number one competitor in the division. We need to win that game. So yeah, if he's available, let's get him out there. So yeah, definitely. Um, looking forward to the the Vikings here this week. The Vikings have a 3-2 and two record uh, with wins against the Falcons, the Raiders, and the Giants. And losses to the Packers and the Bears. Um, I don't know. How are, you, how are you feeling about this one, Colin? Here's what scares me. Um, the Vikings have two of the most impressive wide receivers in football with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. The Eagles have one of the worst secondaries in football. Now, I am far far from a Kirk Cousins fan, and I think the guy's a choke artist at best. But he still knows how to throw a football pretty well. And if the defensive line doesn't get to them, uh, doesn't get to him, rather, I think he could have a field day. I think this could end ugly for Philadelphia. Could be in the key word. Now, I think from what we did against New York, if we are able to bottle that and carry it into the game against Minnesota, we stand a much, much better chance. And I think it can happen. Um, I'm not going to give my score yet. I'm going to give let you say what you think because uh, I'm still kind of formulating. I, I think it's going to be a close game. I'm just not sure which way I'm going to lean. 
So uh, persuade me if you've got an argument. <laughs> sure. Um, I agree with a lot of your points, obviously. Um, but I will say this. With the um, we hit the line, obviously has to get there. Uh, the defensive line has to put pressure on Cousins, but not necessarily a super mobile guy. Uh, we saw a lot of this like, when we played the Packers, where we were getting back there, but Aaron Aaron Rodgers was just able to kind of scramble and make the plays anyway, and that just that I don't know that almost made us lose that game. But I don't see Kirk Cousins doing that against us. So if we can just get back there and put pressure on him. I truly think it's going to help that secondary a lot. And I think these guys at this point, like we're kind of getting used to this defense. Like they're getting used to playing together. Obviously that's going to get better and better every week. So hopefully better this week once again. And then, yeah, hopefully offense can come out and uh, take care of business and really get that run game going once again. If not also get Carson going nice and strong once again, I I really think that we can pull this one out, but I, I'm with you. I think it's going to be close. I have my prediction, and my prediction is 28-24 Eagles. 28-24 Eagles. That's I like that. I hope that is the case. Um, Xavier Rhodes, too, is another name that pops up. I know he collided with a teammate last week, so if he ends up not playing, that's a big loss for Minnesota at cornerback, um, which obviously opens up the field a lot more for guys like Nelson Aguilar, intent to have a big game, uh, especially without Deshaun Jackson. I think this is going to be close, man. I I honestly see this as almost a game that could go into overtime. And I think we're better than Minnesota at our best. If we had Jalen Mills out there, if we had Ronald Darby, if we had Deshaun Jackson, this is a no-brainer to me that we're going to win. But with the injuries, it gets a little bit closer. I'm going to take the Eagles 27-24. Interesting. In an overtime okay. victory. Ooh. Jake Elliott, I'm getting very specific here. Jake Elliott nails a 46-yard field goal for the win in overtime. I like it. I like it. The Minnesota Vikings. Okay, sounds good. So, yeah, that's once again going to do it for us this week on the Philly Special Podcast. Uh, feel free to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Philly Special Podcast. Uh, looking forward to this Vikings game here this week. Um, We'll be back next week to talk to you about it. Um, Until then, have a good one.